0: Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about why your personal narratives and your job hunt matters. Listen, you're going to want to listen to this episode because we're going to give you so much context for your job search and help you to get the hunt. Today I brought on Carrie Twig, the founder and operator of Career Stories. Through courses and coaching, Carrie helps people use their stories to grow their careers, whether they aim for a job job or running their own business. And if they're not sure what kind of work, she can help with that too. Carrie has been helping people find and share their stories with confidence for nearly 20 years, 7 in the career management sector. She also supports businesses as they restructure or downsize and help support their employees who experience change or job loss. So we're going to have a really solid episode here where we go deep into the internal stories that we tell ourselves, the internal narratives, and talk a little bit about the external. So our face on our resumes and our LinkedIn profiles and things like that. So buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. This is episode 207 of The Career Warrior Podcast. Gary, welcome to the show.
1: Woohoo! glad to be here.
0: I am so glad you're here too. And I have just been following you on LinkedIn and just so cool to see all the work that you put out here and, and good to have you finally on the show. I want to get one thing straight for our listeners so we know what they're talking about when we say the word narratives, but how do you define the word narratives in this context?
1: So when I think about a career narrative, I think about really two slices of it. So the narrative that you tell yourself and the narrative that you tell other people. I think very often in job search, people get really focused on what they're going to tell other people. But if you're telling yourself a story inside your head, that's not great. I think that that affects your career in job search, even more so than what you're sharing out there. So two sides of it.
0: Absolutely. So like the internal stories are, I keep saying stories, but narratives are the inner dialogue that we're telling ourselves. And the external is how we portray ourselves to the world, so to speak.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Which one is more important? I don't know if you could compare the two, but which one would you say is more important?
1: I feel like the internal one is more important as long as it's combined with a splash of action. Only because I think people who obsess about storytelling rules, resume rules, this is how you like make a perfect pitch, this is how you do a tell-me-about-yourself, like people who learn the ins and outs of that like, if you're doubting yourself, if you don't know yourself, if you think that you're not worthy of of going for awesome work, no matter what story you tell, it's still going to be false, right? Like great narratives right. that people latch on to always have like a rooted in a in a truthfulness. And that's what makes them work. And you can't teach that, really.
0: I'm almost thinking about if I have this perfect resume and, you know, I get the interview and I'm going through some sort of career change. And I'm just not selling myself the way I could be if I don't believe where I'm headed or if I don't believe that about myself. Absolutely. You're saying it's almost like this priority thing. First, get your inner to- inner story down and then move on to that external narrative.
1: Yeah. And then if you like go to an interview and it's not the right fit for you, You're not taking it personally. You're not like going through the motions afterwards because you're telling a story of like, actually, this isn't the right fit for me. I'm not going to be happy here. They're not going to be happy with me or deserve better than this. If you don't have that, you're still going to put on a great show. You might even land the job and then you'll land it. And three months later, be looking for new work. (laughs) So I don't know how it helps you. Right.
0: Can you give it an example of internal narrative or some things that we might be telling ourselves when we are in that stage of development?
1: Yeah, so most often, I think what people will tell themselves is a story of like, I suck. <laughs> so a story might just be like, I suck. If someone has experienced job loss, especially now, a feeling of like, I'm not different or there's nothing unique about me, my story isn't good enough. And then even people who are in jobs like that are steady, that they kind of like but don't love might be telling them a story, like, who am I to want more? Like, why can't I just be happy with this? So I think there's like ones that are really mean to ourselves and then ones that are mean but don't sound like like we're being incredibly cruel <laughs> to ourselves. Right. Yeah.
0: We're so mean to ourselves sometimes. I'm mean, like, and this is like a song from the nineties, I'm sure, but like my own worst enemy sometimes in terms of the things that we tell ourselves, because a lot of us were so self-critical with where we are in our careers, you know, oftentimes we're comparing ourselves to other people who may be the same age as us or the same graduated the same year, etc. It's really hard sometimes to have to deal with that inner dialogue. So I think I want to dive a little bit deeper with you real quick before we move on to the external. Mm-hmm. But let's say that we are having some trouble developing our own narrative here. How would you recommend on tackling that to make sure that it's a, it's healthy, but B, it's aligned for the job that I want to get.
1: I think, and it's not for everyone. I think the easiest way to get there is through meditation. So the only, like, when I look at the science of how can you change negative thinking to yourself is being, a, one is being aware that you're doing it. So it might be mm-hmm. tracking it, right? It might feel like, I feel like dirt today and I don't know why. And yeah. might be like writing down just like, hey, every time you're talking to yourself, <laughs> What are you saying? And just becoming aware, you might go, Oh, I didn't know I was saying to myself, like, you're a loser, (laughs) like 30 times today. Right. And so I think one is that awareness. The other one is, can you start to say kind things to yourself? So there's meta practices. So did you know any, like, do you do any meditation at all?
0: I do every morning. I did right before this (laughs) podcast. Okay.
1: Beautiful. And do you ever do a meta meditation?
0: I don't even know what that is. No, what is that?
1: Okay, like not like meta, like M-E-T-A, but meta M-E-T-T-A, which is specific kind of meditation just for loving kindness. And so the way that it does, like and traditionally, it's you think about and if you can't think of self-love first for yourself, you imagine someone that you can easily send love to. So it could be, you know, a partner or a child or your parent or someone you love and you imagine them and you say words to them, right? So like, may you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well, right? So you send these words out and then you take it away from that person. And then you start to bring it closer to you. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to say it to me, right? May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well, may I be healthy and at ease, right? And repeating that to yourself. And it might be for like five minutes. So that's a way of getting in tune with that positive feeling of love, that sometimes we can love other people quickly and then tuning it back on ourselves. Another simple one is like put on headphones and a great piece of music that like makes your heart sing. Pay attention to your breath. And every time you inhale, just say to yourself, I love myself. And then feelings of like, this is stupid. <laughs> I like this, just like exhale that out yeah. and then bring it back. Like, I love myself. And it can sound a little corny, I did it. That's kind of how I started meditation. And what I noticed that when I said positive things to myself every day, the way I started to move in the world changed. So,
0: ah, so your behavior followed yeah. those thoughts that you are now managing a little bit better.
1: Yeah. So like when people would ask me to do things that I didn't love to do that were really that, that the old me would have been like, well, you should, cause you have to prove yourself. So you need to take this thing on. Instead, I was like, well, no, I love myself, so I'm not going to add this thing onto my plate that I don't need. So it can change the what you say no to. And I think from that place, then it's easier to start thinking about the next narrative.
0: That makes so much sense. And thanks for bringing that to light. I've been a huge fan of meditation for years. It's something that's calmed a lot of my own stresses and fears in my own life. And it's helped me to really get a handle on my own narrative. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's probably the first time in many episodes that we've talked about meditation. So I think that's great. So you really think for listeners listening to this, who have never tried meditation before or possibly journaling practices that this is something that everyone should do for their own job search.
1: Another really easy one is like, if you just want to be aware of to stop the thoughts is you can just like even close your eyes right now and just go, what does my life sound like? And pay attention to the sounds that are happening. And if there are sounds, then it's not judging them, not getting annoyed. It's just like, oh, I hear my dog walking. You're tar- Carrie talking. And if there is no sound, you can just label it rest. So you can just go, oh, I'm going to focus on like on the rest and just be curious. And even that for like a minute can snap you out of like a negative thought loop, right? What does my life sound like right now? No judgment. Absolutely. That's meditation, right? That's
0: that's all it is. It's like, and I tell myself, it's funny when you realize the thoughts you are telling yourself, because oftentimes you've been in your own head your entire life. So you don't really know or hear these things. But when you just stop for one minute and realize that you have been telling yourself things like, I don't think I can get this job or this interview, I'm going to suck or "ah, I hate doing this. You start to realize how often you actually do end up having this inner dialogue with yourself. So that's a really good point. And may I ask, so I feel also like the first narrative you're talking about can pertain to career change as a whole or your, how do I put it, why am I going from being a teacher to a software engineer? So people who may feel maybe a sense of imposter syndrome or maybe a sense of like not being sure whether they're, they should be taking that next job, how would you recommend that people get clear in that path?
1: So on that path, the thing I always recommend, and you've probably heard me, and like if you follow me, you've heard me say it. Then it's asking yourself, like, what am I proud of doing in my career? And well, no, not even that. That's the wrong question. Like, (laughs) when was I happiest at work? When was a day that I felt super alive and really proud of what I did? Ask yourself that. And then I do it with index cards. So I'll say, write down the exact moment, like be really specific about the moment. Do that for seven days. And then after seven days, look at the stories you wrote out. And ask yourself, what skill or strength did I use in each of these stories? So you'll have seven cards just listed with a bunch of different skills, and then look for the common skill. So if you see like cooperation and communication and helping people through the muck come up in almost every story then that's really, really the career narrative that you need to tell yourself. Like no matter if I, sorry, what was your example before? Like moving from what to what?
0: It was teacher to software developer. Yeah.
1: So no matter where I am in my career, whether I'm teaching or whether I'm developing software, the thing I'm really great at is this, this, and this. And you can't really have imposter syndrome because with that, because it's based in truth. Like it's based in what you've already done. Right. So, yeah, you've done it as a teacher, but you can absolutely bring that anywhere. Yeah. yeah. You're hurting people by not.
0: I agree. And it's funny. We had a podcast episode, I think it was maybe 2020 20 ago, where our guest, Maya Grossman, talked about how the soft skills really are these the skills of the 21st century rather than those hard skills, because industries are changing so rapidly anyway that the ones that truly matter are the ones that you carry yourself you know those inner strengths so i don't know whether it may be creative thinking problem solving things like that are really what matter because you can learn the hard skill like if you if you really have the drive for it you can learn how to code maybe not some people but if you really actually maybe if you really do have the drive you can absolutely do it so
1: I once had a job as a receptionist at a radio station and it was part time. And I heard that the station manager, director, didn't like the weekend morning host, but I knew he really liked me. And he was because I would calm people before they went on air. And so I heard he didn't like her. And I wrote him a little email. And I was like, Hey, Vic, I heard that you're not loving the person who has this gig. Do you think I'd be good on the weekend morning show? And he was like, Let's talk. And we talked. And he said, Yeah, I think you have like you love people, you can talk, you ask good questions, but you need to learn how to use a soundboard. And so he put me in training where at nights I would run the soundboard at a radio station for sports games. And I know nothing about sports. I would say, like announce the weather, sometimes traffic things. But I learned that I didn't go to radio school. (laughs) And then I was, I was hosting for a while and then realized I didn't really (laughs) actually
0: like it. (laughs) I, first of all, dream job for me, because people always told me to work at a radio station, but that's a separate thing. But you learn the soundboard and that's what matters. And that was, if that's the missing piece to you getting the job, then why the heck not? And I think that's amazing. So Carrie, let me ask you about resumes. And this is my segue here to external narrative. Yeah. Let's roll with the teacher to software engineer example because I get these people for our resume service and it is, they come in, with this anxiety and this stress asking themselves, how the heck am I supposed to show that I am qual? Like, I know I can do it. I feel like I'm qualified. i be going through this coding school. I feel like I can code some really amazing games, whatever. But they feel like when it comes to writing a resume, it's a very stressful process. How would you recommend people brainstorm and start to sketch out what belongs on the resume or any document that is supposed to portray you as a the right person for the role?
1: Well, I think looking at the job ad will give you that like it's a combination. So if you're writing it for a specific job, I would first look at what the job ad is looking for. So if the first bit, can you think about like, like first thing a software, you say software developer, what would they do? Like what would be a first task?
0: Correct. So just writing lines of code, for programs and that's very generic because it could software engineer could do any sort of program or any sort of thing
1: yeah okay but, so we'll say the first one's coding what else we're gonna make up a job ad
0: <laughs> oh nice i like it and this is where i am going to fail at coming up with a good description so you can say you know partnering
1: are you looking for a sample i feel like a software engineer maybe cover it with other engineers
0: Correct. The collaboration piece is usually a part of it. Yeah. I'm thinking of maybe more upper level, mm. but I've seen this sometimes. It's using like Agile or oh, yeah. Scrum or okay. just different methodologies that have to do with the way beautiful that you work.
1: Okay. So we'll say that the first... Four lines of the job ad are that you have to do coding, that you have to partner with other tech people, you have to collaborate with other engineers, and you have to lead the scrum meetings in an agile environment. Mm. So if you're writing the resume, and this is like the super tailored version, is you would first go, okay, as a teacher, when did I code something? And if you haven't, like if you haven't coded something, well, you shouldn't be applying for this job, but you probably did it as like as a student, but you want to first tell them about something that you coded. And it would be great as you're thinking about making that leap from teacher to software engineer, if you did some kind of coding project in your school, and it doesn't need to be in the classroom, it could be something you did to help with attendance records, some outreach program, but you have some example of when you've done coding, because they're only going to care about the stories that relate to the job, then you want to think about a time that you partnered with other tech people or other external people, tell them that story. And think about when you collaborate with other engineers. So the stories and the narratives that you're talking about can come from teaching, but you're linking it and then you tell them solid examples. In the profile section, you want to use like two of the things, two of the words that they ask for.
0: So you're talking the profile at the top of the resume? At the top of the resume. Yeah.
1: At the top of the resume. I think it's important to put two words that come from the job ad that describe you and that are true. And then one that comes from your career cards. Like one that is only you would word it in that way so that you still have personality. You don't want to sound like the job ad. So I think it's putting in splashes of you while hitting the marks. And it's a very, I know I'm describing it a bit abstractly, but that's, you need to start talking about, yeah, how what you did, you've done it before, maybe in a different environment and you're using a mix of your language and their language to prove it.
0: Absolutely. I think the summary or the profile, that's one of the best opportunities for job seekers because it's a little it is abstract. It's a little less cut and dry than the rest of the document and you can really use creativity to say, "Hey, this is why my background still works for the job that you're applying for and this is why I'm the best person for the role." So, I'm glad you brought that to light. And I want to ask because we talked about this in our last conversation before this episode, but you talked about this example where it was, you were working as a playwright or you're working within theater, a drama, and you used an exercise to help come up with your own narrative. Does that apply? And could you give that example here?
1: Yeah. So that's what I did with the career cards. So I was, okay. yeah, so I was working as a playwright. I was working as a drama teacher. I've been teaching drama forever, made very little money and decided that I wanted to, I saw people in suits who made money and I wanted to be, <laughs> I didn't
0: really we love all the suit. We wanted to be those people. <laughs>
1: yeah, but like, you know, like I'm making art in a community center basement, um, yeah. you know, with a master's yeah. degree, getting paid $30,000 a year, but being like the top of my game in the arts and still feeling like I'm not making enough money. And then I'd see, right. you know, people in heels. So mm-hmm. um, I did the cards and figured out that although I was a drama art teacher, the things that I was really great at was helping people. I loved solving problems and I was great at building programs, often that doubled the revenue of organizations. So I went, okay, where can I bring that? And when I looked at where that would work in a business sense, I went HR, right? They need people, I could help people. I could build programs to help people and I'd solve problems. So, and I did that piece. I did like the HR certificate, but the story that I had to sell myself as wasn't as this drama teacher playwright, I had to tell the story of this professional who built programs, who could meet people where they're at, could take people who didn't know something and teach them something. So I didn't have to switch my skills, but I had to switch the words that I used. So I couldn't say students and I couldn't say participants because the job ad said clients. I couldn't. So when they talked about, I think in the job ad was something about processes. So I had to think, okay, when did you improve a process? And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I talked about including it the way that we had changed how we registered people for classes. So I had to look for examples that felt like a bit of a stretch and then put it into the language of HR and then believe okay. it myself, right? <laughs> I like, believe that I could do it.
0: How long did this whole exercise take you all together?
1: Oh, like years and months. Like, so I didn't have a map or a guide and I did a certificate. So it doesn't, I don't know if that's a fair question. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. but Yeah. So like from knowing what my skills are to figuring out HR and taking a class, I took HR classes while I worked full time for about a year and a half. But I landed a job after a year in HR as a HR consultant at a firm.
0: Great. Some people need to hear that it is going to take as long as it takes for them to land the next job. It may be within a week. It'd be within a year. it could be several years. Of course, you're finding ways to support yourself financially throughout all of this. But, you know, I once spoke to someone who, and I've said this example a million times, I'm sorry if you've heard it as a listener, but applied to a thousand jobs within the span of a year. It was a full-time job on top of his other job that he was working. Yeah. And it took him a year to land that dream job. Nonetheless, it was a huge career change and it was his dream job and was a springboard for everything that he's doing now today. So
1: yeah,
0: patience, my friends.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's taking that limbo job in between. So I had, I had this full-time job, took classes on the side, and then also like networked, joined the HR association, like did all of the, and and learned how to talk like an HR person. I had to do that first, but I think it was like a 42% salary increase when I got the job. So, and then the next job, I got another like 30% increase, right? Like it just, like after I figured it out and could sell the narrative, and share it, then it would like, it's limitless now. Oh,
0: I love it. Carrie, you are awesome. And this whole first segment has hopefully opened up many eyes here from this podcast, helping to develop the narrative for job seekers. I want to bounce on over to the second segment and whether this is going to end up being its own separate episode, I don't know, but I think this is a very important part of it. One of the things that we talked about in our last conversation was the right way to apply for jobs. And I know you just talked about that job posting, but you are also an advocate for why you shouldn't apply, why you shouldn't look at the job posting first as that guide to help you come up with your resume. I want to hear you just riff a little bit on that concept and why you believe that.
1: Yeah. So in the example I gave before, I was assuming the person knew what they wanted. So they had done all the pre-work and they they already knew that they wanted to be that person. The issue with starting with the job ad is that whatever the job ad has, if you use the words in there to brand yourself, if the job's not real, and we all know that like not all job ads are real, sometimes they're posted to, you know, make the competition think you're expanding, but they're not. So you're right. putting your whole career brand on what someone else That's says. messed up, by the way. Yeah.
0: That's so dirty. It's
1: so dirty. I've heard of like HR people internally, they're saying we want to raise. And so they're like, okay, they put a job ad out and ask people to say what they would expect to make salary wise. And then they take all those applications. There's no real job. And then they show their staff, hey, if we were to replace you, these people are expecting this much. We are at market value, like dirty things. So, but if you're basing your ba- your whole brand on a fake ad, <laughs> I know. Right? then why then if they don't call you what do you have and then it means that the next time you apply for a job you're going to take all the words from that job ad and put them on yourself and i think it's really hard to show up at an interview even if you apply for 3 or 5 jobs you're like a i call it a career chameleon like you change who you are based on what they're asking and if it's not real or if you don't get it you have nothing at the end of it whereas if you start with hey i know what i'm awesome at And I know the kinds of places that I want to work and then research and use those words and then be specific. You're at least going to have a grounding, right? And you had a great story about this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, this is a good friend of mine, but this is just an example because I've worked with several people like this. And I'm sure many people come to resume services also with the same mentality. But the problem is when this person came up to me, said, here's the job posting. This looks like a great job for me, even though I've never done it before, but I feel like I would be a really good job. And this person almost became married to this job ad because it just seemed like such an exciting opportunity. There was a lot of research done for that company. Oh, this is like my dream company. There is, you know, everything positive about this company culture is everything that I am. And I ended up, you know, spending hours coming up with this person of this resume that was this perfect match for this job. And the sad news is when we were in the final stage of completing it, which I was pretty dang fast. I mean, this was like a quick turnaround time. But when we were in the final stages, bad news, the job posting was taken down.
1: Ouch. Yeah.
0: Within such a short time, because sometimes these job postings are in and out. You just don't know when it's going to be taken down time and time again. People really, I think, chase those job postings and try to make themselves a perfect fit for something. And it's like almost is chasing your shadows. Is that an example of that or chasing a shadow or chasing something that should not be the source of what you are going for?
1: Yeah. And I think it's hard to recover. Like, I think if you have that kind of experience, you go like, oh, it didn't work. I'll just stay where mm-hmm. I am. Right. And then that's that narrative again of like, well, who was I I to think I could go for this, this great big opportunity. Right. I'm not ready. Yeah. It's not as bad as I thought it was here. Yeah.
0: So the antidote, which you alluded to, but I just want to get it clear for listeners is what exactly, instead of looking at the job posting as your guide, what are you using? How are you starting to come up with that? solid resume.
1: Yeah. So your foundation, I call it a career brand, like a career branding statement, foundation, your root story. I think it comes from those cards so that you have those skills so that you know that no matter what, the the super skills that you have come there. And then it's a combination of knowing your values, of knowing, I think the three important things to know in terms of a job is like what your status is. So what, like whether you need to be the leader or not the leader or if you like to work beside people knowing your status knowing how much money you want to make how important money is to you whether it is or not and if it is don't feel bad and if it isn't don't feel bad like just be honest about it and then also knowing like how you want how you want to be managed and i think if you know these are my super skills this is the kind of status i want to have in a role and then going and exploring where there's a match and what words they're using and then that's what you bring when you start sharing with other people. So it's a combo of here are the words that are true to me. These are the words that other people are using. I can't just use my own. My own, like I might think I might think in the muck is really cute, uh, but if I apply for a job and they're saying solves deep problems, and I say I help people through the muck, I don't sound like we speak the same language. So you you start to merge those, but always remembering what you're great at as you're going into those.
0: Absolutely, well, Carrie Twig, you've been a marvelous guest, Thank you. and I like to switch up my adjectives here, and I think marvelous is one that describes you well. So there we go. That's the first time I've used that word on this podcast. Anyway, so I want to hear. This is my favorite question to leave off with our listeners here. But if you can tattoo one encouraging message for every career warrior applying for a job right now, what would that message be?
1: They're gonna love you.
0: They're gonna love you.
1: Yeah. What if you know for every job opportunity person that you met instead of thinking you're inadequate you just went well they're like they're gonna love you like i love you that's what my dad would say before any like interview so it's what i think to myself before i do anything it's just like yeah well they're gonna love you (laughs) just
0: that's awesome
1: you can just drop your shoulders a little bit right they're gonna love you
0: that is awesome thank you so much for bringing that to light you were marvelous as i said so i want to hear First of all, let's have you talk about this book here. It's The Career Stories Method, correct? Yes. Okay. When did this release?
1: January 26th.
0: Congratulations. Very recent. The Career Stories Method is, and this is exactly why this is like a very relevant episode. It's about our narrative, correct? So what can listeners get from this book exactly? What are they going to learn? Well,
1: you learn 11 steps on how to figure out your narrative. So it starts with that career cards exercise, goes through like your values, what you're thinking what you're good at, how to love yourself. Um, so all of the self-narrative stuff and then how to take that to create a resume, a LinkedIn interview, content plan, web page, like whatever it is. So it's uh yeah, how to find your own your own awesome and then how you're gonna share that with other people.
0: That's great. I feel like sometimes listeners and I recommend people to like if an episode really resonates with them to go back and listen to the same episode or go back and rewind a certain part to get it in. But I know some people need to visualize and and see things, you know, typed out and described in detail. And I think that's where this book can really come in handy here, because heaven knows if I was going through a career change and I needed to change my inner dialogue and how I portrayed myself to the world, this is something that I would be looking into as well. So, so glad you wrote that book. Thank
1: you. Yeah, me too.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. How can people also stay in touch with you?
1: So I have a website, careerstories.com. I also hang out on LinkedIn and Instagram. So I like to You know, share stories with other people. So I'm also hanging out there too. Awesome.
0: Well, Carrie, thanks so much for joining us on our episode here. You were awesome. And I hope to stay in touch with you in the future.
1: Yes, for sure. Cool. Thank you.
0: Perfect. Take care. And listeners, this concludes episode 207 of the Career Warrior podcast. So glad we got to do that one. Carrie is just this awesome person in the career space who I've been following for quite some time. So it was an honor to have her come on the show. And I just was really glad that we can tackle both the internal piece, the things that we tell ourselves and the, maybe column superficials, but the external piece about how we portray ourselves on the resume. And this can even apply to your LinkedIn profile. I, as always, will make sure to link the things that we talked about in the description of this podcast episode. So whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple, we make sure to include the links so that way you have easy access. Whenever you are done jogging or driving. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning into the Career Warrior Podcast. I will see you next Monday. Career, Career Warrior, Podcast. Warrior, Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning.